related to spirituality in a manner that questions everything. We start from a premise that everything comes from somewhere and work to understand the unexplainable. We always endeavor to have a great time discussing a serious topic with the hopes of offering inspiring thoughts and ideas that allow for growth, evolution, and transformation. We always begin by inviting spirit to join us in this conversation and guide our words and intentions so that we express things in a manner that is true and inspirational, and we are always thankful and extremely grateful for the opportunity to serve. I'm your co-host, Dr. Anthony Smith, and as always, I'm joined by my co-hosts, Zawadi Powell and Glenda Jones. How are you all doing today? We're doing great. Super. Super. <laughs> What's been going on? Anything you all want to talk about? We want to talk about you today, Dr. Smith. Mm. Okay, okay. <laughs> so, today's topic, we're going to interview me. <laughs> and then next week, we're going to interview Zawadi. And then the next week, we're going to interview Glenda. So, you all have an understanding of how we each have come to walk our current path and some of the things that went into it that you might identify with or uh, have in common. And so we're going to get into some of that and just share some of those some of that information and see where it takes us. Um, after our last podcast, the Wadi, at the end of our last podcast, rather, the Wadi asked the question of me. Uh, what was the question? How did you phrase that? I think I wanted to know, if I'm not, correct me if I'm wrong, Glenda, if you remember, but I think I said that I wanted to know what religion you were practicing or what path of faith you were walking. Mm -hmm. Yeah, what was my spiritual path. Right. And I said that was a longer conversation, so we're going to have that conversation. Um, You know, I I find it pretty interesting. Uh, The first thing I would say is my path to spirit and, and began with an immersion into religion, uh, being raised in a Pentecostal household. My father is an assistant pastor at a apostolic church, and my mother is a missionary and a president of the usher board and a Sunday school teacher. So growing up, church was the focal point of our household. I mean, we were in church all day Sunday, Tuesday night, Friday night, Saturday choir rehearsal, Saturday uh, street meetings. Where we were passing out tracts and trying to convince, convert other people to what it was that we were doing. It was that was our life. Mm-hmm. And you know, as a child growing up, you just do what your parents do. You don't know anything different. And so, I was being a preacher's kid um, and being a, a bit precocious, I yeah, <laughs> I learned a lot about the Bible. I knew all of the books of the Bible. I knew verses. We would have different competitions, and I prided myself on being able to answer questions and just be a student of the game when it came to the Bible. I, I looked up to my father and what they were teaching, and so I wanted to you know, engage that as well. There reached a point, I guess I was about nine or ten, where my mind began to formulate questions that nobody could answer in the church. And at that age, 
I remember them telling me that when they couldn't answer the questions, that some things God doesn't want you to know. And so I said, okay. It was almost as if too much information would make you explode. <laughs> so that became the way to satiate my um, desire to, to have an answer to these questions, just something God doesn't want you to know. And so that became what I abided by, but it, you know, these questions still stayed in my mind. Fast forward, I get into high school, and it's time to apply for college, and I ended up applying to and getting into University of Notre Dame, which is a Catholic university, um, which as an impressionable high school student, I didn't know anything about that. I just knew, I had been told it was a good school, they were giving me money to go there, so I went. Didn't even visit the campus or anything, I just went. <laughs> and so I get to school to this Catholic university and I'm having to take philosophy and theology and I'm watching people go to mass, which is a new thing because all my life, all I know is apostolic church. And my mind became flooded with questions because my understanding at that time, I was watching people, quote unquote, sin all week and go to confession and do a couple Hail Marys and be absolved of their sins and start all over and do it again next week. It was like, you got a free pass every week to go back and sin again. This was my understanding as an impressionable 17-year-old. So I began to say, hmm, this is a totally different way than what I've been raised with. So like, we had to take two philosophy classes and two theology classes. So I'm learning and I'm reading different things and some of these questions that I found myself with are questions that were coming up in some of these texts I was reading. And so I found myself in a space of, um, of growth where I began to question in a more serious manner what it was that I was doing. Also, Converging at that time um, was also me coming into my consciousness as an as a African person, right? Um, understanding what it meant to exist in a very racist uh, environment. Um, it was very uh, homogenous environment, probably over 90% white, well, said better, 2.8% black. So there were about 300 of us out of a pop student body population of maybe 8,500. So it forced us to be very close to each other because we were all we had. Um, and so we had to, at that, at that age, it was fight the power, right? <laughs> Public enemy was, was big <laughs> and power. do the right thing. And, you know, there was this energy of consciousness that was going on. And I began to learn and appreciate more about myself. Um, during my third year, we ended up hosting a black man's think tank. And at that black man's think tank, we had Dr. Naeem Akbar, Dr. Wade Nobles, um, Haki Marubuti, and Ellis Liddell as our speakers. And that changed my life. Um, and as an aside, I, I got to, I volunteered to pick the speakers up from the airport and to also spend time with them and taking them to dinner and the breakfast and all that. So I got to really interact with them on an intimate level. And it was just amazing to me to be sitting at the feet of these giants in the field and just learning about African consciousness. Um, so that was my entry into African spirituality as well, because they began to, you know, some of the some of the lectures and the things that we would go to, um, they would talk about uh, Christ consciousness and this thing of worshiping a, a, a white Jesus, this blonde-haired, blue-eyed Jesus. I never thought about that before. But as I began to read about it and listen to them explain 
the concepts related to that, it made so much sense to me. And so that began to push me away from uh, what I had been taught to do. It was an awakening, if you will. And so I began reading, just devouring all types of books and, and reading and studying and just trying to learn. And I, I reached a space where I was, I would say, agnostic. I, I felt like people just needed something to believe in. And coming into understanding uh, African spirituality shifted me out of that. So I ended up getting into grad school, moving on from Notre Dame, and going on to graduate school, where I met a colleague of mine who uh, ended up introducing me to African spirituality in a real way. I had gone out to California to do some consulting work with him, and he said, I want you to come with me and have this experience. You know I'm just, I'm just like you. I question everything, and, but just trust me. I just want you to come and have this experience. And so I said, okay, well, whatever. So we went to what I later under, came to understand was a, the house of a Babalawa, which is a, a priest in the Ifa tradition. And we walk into his house, and we sit down on a mat. He asked me my name and my birth date, and then he began to throw this chain and tell me about my life. And I sat there listening to him tell me things that I had never told anybody. There was no way that this man was telling me this information. And I just listened to just on and on and on, just him telling me this information. I said, wow, what is this? But and didn't they have prophetic ministry in the Pentecostal church? Yeah, but it wasn't quite like that. Mm -hmm. um, you know, there were, there were moments of that. Mm -hmm. uh, there was more speaking in tongues and... Um, yeah. But not so much, not so much the prophetic part. I've seen that in other churches, but my our, my parents' particular church that wasn't a big part of that. Mm -hmm. That was something that was that I wanted to ask also. So I'm understanding. So you were in the church with your family, and I see your progression. But as you progressed, was there something from your past? in that church with, the, with your family that you took with you? you know, Because it's easy to see what we don't want to keep. Mm -hmm. But was there something that even today you were able to keep that you know has really affected you? Mm -hmm. Yeah, so I think as I fast forward to my present understanding, um, I recognize that that grounding of my sense of morality, my sense of being, my sense of how to be in the world, came from that, right? Uh, my desire to be a good person and treat people right came from those seeds planted by my parents, you know, early on. So and you wasn't on the corner either. Right, right. <laughs> it couldn't I mean, be on the block. <laughs> right. I, I always say, if not for my, if not for my mother and my father uh, and what they did to me early on, I'm not in this position right now. Mm -hmm. You know, that it just does not exist. And so I just continue to move forward on my path and incorporate everything into what it is that I do. Okay. Right. Makes sense? Yeah, it does. Mm -hmm. So you went to, I hated to take you off your story, which you were the bubble owl was telling you all this stuff about yourself mm -hmm. and what and I was amazed okay and I left saying okay what is this thing and what do I need to do now to <laughs> continue moving this forward so again when I for, for me my personality is when I go and study everything um, I knew that I felt something that I hadn't ever felt uh, growing up in the Pentecostal church it's a very feeling 
experience. Yeah. So if there's not prophetic ministry, there's certainly a lot of emotion. There's a lot of feeling. There's a lot of energy. Yeah, that's my favorite church. Right. <laughs> so there's the music. There's the organ. There's the drums. You. It's a vibrancy that exists. Right. So it's like chanting. Mm-hmm. It is. And so we. Hold on to that. And, but I had never, I, I will watch people get touched and, and feel connected, but I never would feel that myself. And they would make us pray and, you know, call, call on Jesus and, you know, we call it tearing, right? At, at the altar, you know. Mm-hmm. And, but I just never felt anything, even though I really wanted to. Mm-hmm. But this time sitting on that mat, I felt something. And being an analytical person, when I feel something, I'm like, okay, I'm, I'm feeling something, <laughs> you know. So I went and just started studying. And that led to reading different books and having further experiences. Um, and so my next major shift, I went to Ghana uh, for the first time. Aquaba. Yes. Um, Dr. Akbar and Dr. Nobles did a, a two-week study tour. And so I went on that trip. And another amazing shift in my life I, that was just, I'll never forget it. You know, the first time landing and actually being on that ground. And just all of the wonderful experiences that we had connecting and going to the different, uh, this, the wonderful majestic city of Accra and seeing all the, the, the visions and the sights and the smells and then going to the, the villages in Kumasi and going to the dungeons at Cape Coast and feeling the energy of our ancestors uh, in those sacred spaces. Um, just amazing. Um, and we met a traditional healer there which was another opportunity to connect with African spirituality uh, and he did a reading and some of the things that were said in that reading were similar to readings that I had, had in the Yoruba tradition so when you open yourself up to information you should be getting a, a convergence of ideas in those information. Like every, they may say it a different way, but the information should still be the same because it's your life. Yeah, right. Like confirmation. Right. It's exactly. Confirmation. And I, I've subsequently found as I've traveled the world and 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 really sat and talked with and studied a lot of different uh, traditions that it all comes back to the same place, you know, and ultimately. Even as we're getting this information from a number of different sources, that information is confirming who we are already and information that we already know and are capable of tapping into when we tap into spirit for ourselves. Um, And so, you know, that's we'll have other conversations about that process. And that's why we (laughs) started the podcast to begin with. But um that's been very instrumental for me in, in terms of just walking my path and learning about all these different things and incorporating it into my life. Mm. One of the things that Zawadi has mentioned in previous uh, podcasts is that we're all initiated. Mm-hmm. So, so tell me about what encouraged you to choose a path and become initiated. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so after I got back from Ghana, I continued to do more studies and continue to uh, have readings several times a year I would I would get a reading I began to get involved with the Ifa community and go to different events and um, studying with with various different people just learning about the culture and what it meant to to be in the tradition and so at some point I took my time with it because I didn't want to I didn't want to get into anything in a dogmatic way anymore. I mean, I, I did not want to do that. Um, and I felt like 
the path of E5 at its core is not about um, you know dogmatism. It's not trying to convert people to to do this tradition at its core, right? It's like all types of people come for readings and information and advice from a number of different traditions. They don't want to be a part of it, but they want to come to get the guidance and the information that they that they can have. So I, I like that. It seemed very pure to me. Um, and, but I think as with all religions, the, the human ego can get in the way, right? And take people off the path of what the religion is supposed to be. But that goes back to your definition of religion that we talked about several podcasts ago. So over the years, it took me, I would say, from the time my first reading to making the decision to get initiated, probably seven years. Um, yeah. And then when I decided that I was that I wanted to do it, I wanted to hurry up and do it. <laughs> you know, <laughs> let's get it done. All right, I'm ready. Let's make it happen. Um, and that's, you know, my life had been been on a fast track. You know, I graduated, went right into graduate school, got my doctorate at 26. I was, boom, fast, let's just, just move. But I was in a phase of life where I was going to get a PhD in life. And so part of that was learning to be patient. And so it took, from the time I said I was ready, it was probably another two and a half years before it actually happened because things just kept coming up and it kept getting moved back. This date was set and it would get moved. And that was a process of learning humility and patience for myself, for my own path. Mm. And eventually I reached a point where I was like, all right, I don't care. It'll happen when it happened. I just gave up. <laughs> and, then, <laughs> and then it ended up happening. Um, that was probably very necessary. Absolutely, it was necessary. Absolutely. Right, and it takes, takes the give control. Up. I had to give you up. You can't right. control that. You can't do it when you want to do it or how right. you want to do it. You have mm -hmm. to, yeah, release. Mm -hmm. That's so interesting. I often feel like sometimes when you're dealing with spiritual things, especially like an initiation, um, everyone has a different experience. Mm -hmm. And depending upon like who the person is and what lessons they need and you know what path they have to walk it's like even though the protocol can be very similar the whole experience is like totally different yeah and mm -hmm. i think that's fascinating yeah. it sort of shows you that the that the spirit the spirit is alive absolutely, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. yeah and we all have challenges on our path mm -hmm. so part of getting getting initiated you get an ita done which is like a life reading that says why you are here, why your spirit is here, and what you should be doing. Mm -hmm. It gives you, it talks about your taboos, things that aren't good for you, things that are good for you, things that can elevate you faster. And you always have choice to do whatever it is you want. Mm -hmm. But it's like a prescriptive guide for how to get the most out of living this life. Mm -hmm. um, and so what are taboos for me? wouldn't be so for you right right because you have a different path you have different challenges different things that you're going to learn what and, kind of taboos do people get sometimes so for instance like for me i'm not supposed to eat eggs mm -hmm. or collards right mm -hmm. those are those are food taboos not collard greens right you can't eat collard greens ever right. ever again i'm not <laughs> i'm not supposed to and it's probably wow. something related to health right uh -huh. my digestive tract is one that it could cause me too much gas and cause oh, problems for right, me. Because they're kind of rough, right. a rough. And they were created for cattle. Right. They were not created <laughs> for, human for consumption. Yeah. But yeah. we eat them because we were given a lot of stuff that yeah. wasn't created for human we consumption. We made it work for us. Yeah. Right. <laughs> I want to ask. And some of the things that they come up with, you already know yourself. Absolutely. Right. So, for instance, they, they, they said to me, you don't need to drink or get high because you're already high mm -hmm. and that will take you to a place that is not good for you. Mm -hmm. Well, I've never engaged in drinking or getting high anyway. Mm -hmm. 
even though I've been around people doing it, I don't care if people do it. All my friends in high school, college, they were like, we're going to get you drunk. And I'm like, no, because I don't want to do that. Mm-hmm. And so I never did. Um, and so when they told me that, I was like, yeah. Uh, mm-hmm. My spirit already knew right. that that wasn't for me. Right. And again, I don't care what anybody else does. I'm always around people that do it. I just don't do it myself. It's not good for me. And so was there something in your ETA mm-hmm. that, like, often you think about and it is something that helps to guide you? Absolutely. Yeah, and I Can read you it. speak a little on maybe something in there that really helps you? Yeah, so I read it several times a year and... There are, you know, there are things that that guide my path in terms of um, how I'm supposed to or what what's the what's what's the best way for me to to walk my path. So, for instance, going to the ocean is something that is uh, healing and enriching for me. And so being able to go and honor the energy of the ocean. Yemoja is what we call the, the Orisha, the energy of the ocean. And so going and honoring that, and that, that's one of the things in the Ifa tradition, um, you know, there are Orisha that um, are kind of, they can be thought of as intermediaries to God, right? At different aspects of God. Um, and so I can go when I'm feeling a certain way and cleanse myself at the ocean and lift my spirits and lift my vibrations and um, kind of do a prayer supplication and asking for the things that I need to see manifest in my life. Um, so that's one of the, that's an example of one of the things that, that I would do. Um, so yeah. how do you think that practicing the Ifa religion has changed your personality or helped you to develop or strengthened your life like what what is it that that makes you remain I guess in that practice as opposed to continuing to seek or mm-hmm. continuing to to um to try to find something so where it has evolved to is that it is a it is a vehicle for me but I also interact with and engage many other traditions as well. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm not one who is close to to that, to, mm-hmm. to learning and mm-hmm. to being exposed to different things. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's, that was a process. So that's been over the past 15 years, a process of getting to the place where I am now, um, where I can be in a space of exploration. And there were a lot of various trials and tribulations and in, in disappointments and things that shaped my walk in that way. Um, But all of those were necessary for me to get where I am now, Mm -hmm. Um, where we can be having this conversation, a critically thinking conversation where we question, why do we do what we do? So even within that vehicle, there are things that I question about why do we have to do it that way? So as you learn about the religion, you you know, so we th- there are things we call houses. So you get initiated by your godparents and your godparents have a house of individuals who come up under them. Right. Kind of like the if you think of it in a terms of a, of a church, the leader of the church, per se. And different houses may do certain things differently, all under the umbrella of Ifa, different parts of the country, different parts of the world they may do it just a slight bit differently. That doesn't make it right or wrong. It's just different. Mm-hmm. And so for me, if you're getting the results that illuminate and move your life forward, then do that thing. If you're not, look to do something different. And so one of the things that one of the messages I like to give people is to be okay with letting people be. Yes. Like be if if that's working for you, if you like it, I love it. Right. right. And if I'm you, as long as you're not hurting anybody, go ahead. Do what you do. If you tapped into God and you are happy and you are thriving, that is great. And over here, same for me. Mm-hmm. Like, don't let me be me. Mm-hmm. And we all can. We all have the capacity to do that. 
Mm-hmm. When we don't, when we get into this dogmatism of it has to be this way, that's where I think problems come in. The thing that's really interesting to me, too, is that I, I so as I started to look at um, traditional African religion, because you know, my family are um, sort of nationalists or, you know, very much into history and culture and um we started to look at African religion and I started to, I also went to Ghana and I noticed that even in Africa, although they are still practicing Abrahamic religions, um, they're still also engaging in rituals mm-hmm. on <laughs> different yeah. days of the yeah. week or Absolutely. so this like the, the things coexist and they will tell you, Oh, but this is my culture. Right. And this is my religion, right. you know? And so I think that, um, a, a lot of people, um, find different um, tools that they need in mm-hmm. order to fulfill different parts of their life. And uh, it, the funniest thing, I used to have a, a, a godmother who would say, Alhamdulillah, Ashe. Because she had a Muslim spirit that walked with her, so she would always say, Alhamdulillah. And I was like, that's not Ifa. And then as time went on, I said, wow, Ifa is a lot of stuff, you know, all put together to uh to to fulfill different purposes and especially as we become very diverse beings Mm -hmm. um as people intermingle cultures i think that we will find um that a lot of things are coming together Mm -hmm. so that brings another question to mind my philosophy is no matter what you practice at the core of it we are i'd say 80 percent alike Mm -hmm. Like, mm-hmm. no matter what you practice, there's some things that kind of like fundamental, foundational, like love and how you treat people. What things have you found that are similar from your Christian upbringing, your traditional African religion, current way in which you practice? What are some mm-hmm. things that you mm-hmm. find mm-hmm. that seem to connect the dots to other yeah, practices? Yeah. I, I think... I I say quite often, if you took all the different religions and lined them up next to each other, um, you're going to find a lot of commonalities. Um, and the human ego gets in the way and messes it all up. Um, <laughs> there's a lot of brainwashing that takes place, uh, unfortunately. And uh, Tom Burrell has a great book called Brainwash, which everybody should read Mm. um, to really understand how we're programmed from day one we're being programmed to believe a certain way when I when I I reached a point in my consciousness I began to have these discussions these debates with my parents and I would say why do you have to have this image of this white blonde haired blue-eyed Jesus and they would say "It, it doesn't matter what color Jesus is and I said well if it doesn't matter then why don't you just make him black right and so but they could not grasp that that could even be a reality mm-hmm. because all their life they've only known this that's blonde, what Jesus right <laughs> and and even in Ghana and and, yes. and right you can drive around Ghana and you see these Im- there are no white people over there right but you see all these images of blonde hair, blue eyed Jesus mm-hmm. everywhere you ev- on the back of cars, billboard everywhere. Yeah, you I cannot like get away we from. We put it. him out of the U.S. in the black church. That he moved to Ghana. No, nah, he was there already. He <laughs> because there. it was amazing to me. I had well, not seen that many. It's unfortunate blonde that that, that blonde hair, blue eyed Jesus um, sort of came with slavery and colonialism right oh, yeah. it's not he did not come from israel or right. it's not even the description <laughs> in the bible he came with slavery and colonialism and this is a critical thinking right mm-hmm. so when i talk to my parents and i say look this verse says hair of wool skin of bronze that doesn't look like that <laughs> so there's a direct contradiction that is a lie and in the Bible, the foundation of what you're talking about is thou shalt not lie. How are you reconciling that? Mm-hmm. Right. So to me, for me, if you can't critically ask that question and deal with that, then that stops the conversation for me because wow. m- my mind just will not accept that. <laughs> it doesn't enter into the equation in my mind. 
So for you, it was not necessarily only that there was a blonde hair, blue eyed Jesus, because they could have you could have easily just adapted a Jesus of color. Um, it was more that the limitations, the the lack of answers, mm -hmm. the, you yeah. felt like there was a limit to what you have been taught, and that made mm -hmm. you sort of just give it all up altogether. Well, no, I didn't give it up altogether. Mm -hmm. there, there are limits and there are contradictions as well. Mm -hmm. There are a lot of contradictions yes. mm -hmm. that nobody wants to talk about. Mm -hmm. And I want to talk about them right? because we may come to some great discovery. Right. But it's not just with Christianity. It's with anything. I want to question and, and, and dive in and get deeper into why. Mm -hmm. Right. What's underneath all of this stuff? Mm -hmm. Who said this is it? Like, I can say this is it. We, you can say we, we can all be co-creators because we have God in us. Mm -hmm. So why can't we do that? Right. Right. We, we are imbued with that spirit. And even the texts talk about that. It does. You know, it, it, there are verses that speak directly to that. Um, but we don't want to grasp and really come into our, our, our true power. I think we're, we're, we've been taught to be afraid of it. And we just keep going along with the colonization, with the brainwashing, what been, what's been put into us. Wow. Um, I have a question and, and I love to ask you this, this question because I, it, it, it's sort of like a part of what I know of you with the, the laws of Ma'at and the whole Egyptian um, path. And I want to know what led you to that and what do you feel like you learned um, from mm -hmm. your whole Egypt um, adventure or discovery? Yeah. So Ma'at, you know, deals is the ancient Egyptian uh spiritual system that deals with um, cardinal virtues of balance, order, harmony, truth, justice, propriety. And it, it, it's a way that you live your life, right? You have to be Ma'at, right? You, it's not just talking about a verse or talking about um, some good quality. It is actually living that in real time every single day. And there's a paradox. We are perfect. God doesn't make any mistakes. So we are exactly where we need to be doing exactly what we need to be doing right now. Whether it's quote unquote a bad experience or quote unquote a good experience. At the end of the day, it's all good. So the paradox is that we are perfect even as we are striving for perfection. Because so we Amber are, Geiger was perfect when she shot. Like, are we really perfect when we do stuff like that? That. That's a part of the existence because that is a bad thing. But remember, we talked about you can't understand bad yeah. if you don't have a concept of good. I'm working. So on that. you have to have both of those ends of the continuum. Right. So we continue to strive to walk our walk our particular path. And in that striving, there are things that we learn along the way. There are lessons that we get that continue to build us and move us forward and allow us to grow. So my aunt speaks to how we walk that path. And so there was a belief, the belief under this system. And we're actually going to have uh, a person who is a priest of my aunt. We're going to interview him and he'll speak in a lot more depth to the concepts of this. Yeah, yeah. We're going to have all kind of folks on this show. Um, but the belief was that if you lived your life according to, there was these 42 principles of my eye that say things like, I have not told a lie. I have not killed. I have not, right? Where does that sound like? The, the Ten, Ten Commandments, Commandments, right? These 42 uh, negative confessions predate the Ten Commandments by centuries. So, and they're right there on the walls on the temples in Egypt. And you can go see for yourself right now, which we did. Um, and so, if the person lived their life according to those 42 negative confessions, when they died, it was believed that their spirit would go before the goddess Ma'at and their heart would be placed on a scale and weighed against the feather. So, the heart... The person's heart is on one side of the scale. The feather is on the other. And if they lived and honestly 
uh, lived according to those values, the scales would balance out. Mm -hmm. And then they would be permitted to have a good afterlife. If it wasn't balanced, the heart was devoured by, um, forget the name of the, the, the animal there that would devour the heart. And that was like the bad afterlife, right? Mm. So that's the concept of my eye. And so what I work to do is live my life in a good way. And that goes back to the question you asked, but I didn't finish answering. If you line up all of them, all of the different traditions next to each other, one of the fundamental principles is love. Absolutely. Right? Love. Absolutely. If we just love people, then uh, most of our problems would go away. <laughs> right? Just, just love. And so, with the uh, Amber oh, Geiger situation, um, <laughs> if, you, if you know what happened today, her brother, or the... the um, both of Jean's brother actually gave her a hug after she was sentenced mm -hmm. and said he forgave her. He asked the judge, could he give her a hug? And the judge said yes, and he gave her a hug, and he forgave her and um, said he, he hopes that she prays and, and all this stuff. And I'll be honest, I was like, I don't know if that would be me. <laughs> but, you know, when but the question... That, is that anything... Associated with the principles of my eye. Uh, yeah. Right. But so. but it goes back to the relativity of it, right? So, right? so the relativity the of truth. So are you gonna are you gonna go turn in that person that you know where they are? Going back to that question. Right. So love may be um I gotta forgive you for my own self, but you're wicked and I don't choose to embrace that. Like we were talking about but she's perfect, this, right? Yeah, but I mean, it, I'm just it, saying, it, it's something to I, think about. I think she's she, maybe she's serving a purpose that we might not understand. Maybe I the evil, maybe the evil it. serves a purpose that we we just cannot comprehend. Maybe that that's I don't know because I always ponder that question too. Like, why is there evil in the world if there is universal law and you know? And I get that there, like we've said that the yin and yang, and then we don't mm. know good if there's no bad. We don't know. Light if there's no dark. Mm -hmm. Or sometimes but, the dark like rears its ugly head so the light can shine brighter. That's but when we say we are perfect, we are created <laughs> and we are perfect. Mm -hmm. This doesn't necessarily mean that everything we do is perfect. No, of course not. Well, unless, you something confess, to think about. unless you confess your sins in the Catholic Church. <laughs> <laughs> Well, it's perfect in that everything builds on the next thing. So in in the Tao, there's a story about um, good and bad. And I'll just, you know, give a brief synopsis of it. Because um, the Tao is another spiritual system that I spend a lot of time studying. Mm -hmm. um, and I incorporate those stories into the fabric of my life as well. Mm -hmm. So there's this farmer and he has uh, a horse. And one day the horse runs away. So his neighbor says, oh, what bad luck? And the farmer says, oh, good luck, bad luck, who knows? So a couple days later, the horse comes back with another horse. And his neighbor goes, oh, wow, that's great luck. And the farmer goes, good luck, bad luck, who knows? So the next day, the farmer's son goes out to ride the horse, the new horse. And that horse bucks him off and his son breaks his leg. And his neighbor goes, oh, what bad luck? He goes, bad luck, good luck, who knows? <laughs> and then the next week, all the young men in the village get drafted to go to war against a neighboring village. But his son can't go because he's got a broken leg. Mm. And so his neighbor's like, oh, what good, good luck. luck. <laughs> and, it, and the story just continues on. What looks like bad luck is good luck. What looks like good luck is bad. And the cycle is a circle, right? Mm -hmm. Which is life. Absolutely. The rest of the circle, the infinity, mm -hmm. all of that. It, it keeps going. So we need both ultimately. Okay. And so there are some deeper level lessons that I don't understand about evil. But I'm continuing and willing to keep asking the questions right. and asking another question. Yeah. And some of the questions that I ask, I may not get to. But maybe my son 
will get to. And maybe he'll keep asking questions and his son will get to. And seven generations down the line, maybe they'll have an answer to some of the questions we're pondering now. But then they'll have a new set of answers, new, right. new set of questions. Right. right. Because the universe is so vast and so enormous and so big. And so I'm never going to be arrogant enough to think that I have all the answers and I know and I'm going to tell you and just follow what I say and all is going to be good. Mm-hmm. I, I'm never going to be that person. We appreciate that. Yes, yes. <laughs> Speaking of like the laws of Ma'at and the Ten Commandments, I know that in Ifa people always say that you're supposed to live the Iwa Puele, mm-hmm. which is, um, you know, the good upright, character. Good character. Mm-hmm. Does Are there laws in Ifa that sort of connect with, um, or does the Ita serve as like your... How do you know if you're living the Iwa Puele or not? Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's a great question. And one of the questions that has kind of propelled me along my path, because that has been something that has been very, very important and, and, and near and dear to me. Um, some might say I'm quite idealistic in my thinking, mm-hmm. but yeah, that's who I am. And... Even as I have my own challenges that I continue to, you know, struggle with and to continue to try to work on because I'm human, as is everybody. And we all have certain things that until we stop breathing, we are going to be working on. Um, I think that the prescription can be interpreted in different in different ways by mm-hmm. different people. And that, in mm-hmm. fact, happens. Mm-hmm. Um I just, again, go back to do good, Mm -hmm. show love, Mm -hmm. do your best, don't hurt people, Mm -hmm. right? Some, just some basic stuff Mm -hmm. because all those other things can be argued about, can be, uh, well, is this right? Is that right? I don't know. Mm -hmm. But when Uh, you say do good, so that's... So what is good? What is good? Right, right. That's relative. Right. Mm -hmm. So for me, when I think of what is good... It's not about what's good for me. It's what's good for the whole. And mm-hmm. when I say the whole, it would be for other, the, the human good. species, mm-hmm. the plant species, mm-hmm. the, the an, animals, all types of things yeah, for the great. creation. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. When we say do good. Mm-hmm. Um, because we can easily, I'm sure there are some people who believe that slavery was doing good. Mm-hmm. You know, because we built you know, we built this country, mm-hmm. but it wasn't good for the whole. Mm-hmm. 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 So, yeah. I, so I would say, as in, do no harm, right? That's that's why I keep going back to, as long as you're not hurting anybody, let people do what they do. Yes, yeah, so right. Do so doing good for me, I'm engaging in random acts of kindness. I try to help people. Mm-hmm. I try to encourage and inspire people. Um, I look to do things that uplift the spirits of others, right? I don't intentionally try to go and cause harm or any type of pain to anybody, mm-hmm. not intentionally. So if I do it, then I'm also in a space of being accountable and being willing to apologize, right? Not letting my ego keep me in a space of, well, I didn't mean it, right? And that's a that's a work in progress as well, yeah. um, because human, uh, but the ability to acknowledge that it is, as mm-hmm. opposed to pretending that no, that's not there. So, for me, that's what good speaks to. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, I get that. I was just mm-hmm. mentioning how we can look at good. Yeah, yeah. Different people may see good. Differently, it's Absolutely. our perspective. So. And if somebody is practicing Ifa, but they need the laws of Ma'at to tell them what the Iwa Puele is, then they can do that, right? <laughs> Absolutely. And they could do whatever they want to do. So for me, I'll just jump to where I am now. Um, I literally just attempt to live my life fully every day mm-hmm. in a conscientious way, doing my best to spread love, spread joy, spread happiness, leave things better, as my parents taught me, leave things better than how you found them. Um, I try to do that every day, engage that process, 
to say an uplifting thing to a person, to leave a huge tip to the, to an unsuspecting person who I see is struggling that day, to engage in things that um, that make a change, make a difference in people's lives. Mm-hmm. Um, often in an anonymous manner because it's not about getting any uh, any um, praise for it. It's just doing it because it's a good thing to do. Uh, those are things. And so what guides me is looking at, and as I've traveled around the world and exposed myself to various different traditions, you know, going to sit with the Sangoma in South, South Africa um, and getting similar information to what I've gotten before, um, going and in, in engaging in uh, observing the, the ceremony in a Buddhist temple in Japan or going to Thailand and in uh, Malaysia and in, in, in seeing how they practice in the Hindu uh, temple and just seeing the fervor and the, and the discipline and the engagement people have in understanding and living this thing of connecting to spirit. Uh, in all the various different ways that people do it, that is serious for them, right? Mm-hmm. People are, are very serious about how they do it. So I just try to take what I can from every place I go and every uh, instance where I interact with people and say, okay, I like that. Let me take that and use that. Let me, what can I learn from this person? Because we can always learn something from somebody. Yes. Always. It's amazing to me because you were one of. You were a major teacher in my life, um, working in your uh, psychological practice. I was constantly learning from you, and you um, you even uh, taught me quite a bit about Ifa. And then I did reading for you with my spirit Adekemi, and I felt like it was reciprocating, mm-hmm. like mm-hmm. like the like we we. I think that sometimes in certain religions, it's like the people at the top have to stay at the top. Right. Mm-hmm. And right. if you're, you know, a peon or you're just mm-hmm. like, you know, on the bottom level, you know, you have to co- co- always look up to them until mm-hmm. they pass away. And even though I see um, that in, you know, all of the traditions, really, because I see it in Ifa, I see mm-hmm. it in Absolutely. Christianity, yeah. I see it. I, I, I don't think I have seen, I don't know much about Buddhism. I wonder if it's there. Um, but I think that um, when you are truly seeking, which I have seen you doing, you know, just seeking everywhere, um, you find that everyone is a teacher and everyone is a student. Absolutely. Absolutely. That's and I think, I think that... Um, being able to move, you know, with whatever tradition speaks to you sort of uh, reinforces that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And that's the way I reluctantly <laughs> teach because I went through a phase where I, I thought I was going to be this leader, this have all these godchildren, and it just for a variety of reasons did not work. Let's just say that. And I went through a phase where I just stopped. I was like, I don't want to do this anymore because I I was disillusioned. My idealism, I I was very disillusioned. And then it got put back together for me in a very profound way. And I was able to build it back up. And looking back at my Itai, that's one of the things that it said. In my Itai, it says I need to question everything and not worry about people's perceptions of me questioning. It actually says that. So. And so some things you don't pick up until later on, because mm-hmm. I read that a whole bunch of times. But at this particular time that I read, I was like, oh, this is what happened. And people got mad because I was questioning and challenging things. But that's what was supposed to happen, because I needed to come and build, rebuild me in the way that I've subsequently done it. And looking back on it, I can see the benefit of what I thought was a horrible time. But it's, it was part of the process. Hmm. The tree had to grow and mature in the way it had to grow and mature. And so the way I carry it now is I have information to give. And so I'll give the information. But I'm not in charge of your life. I'm not trying to tell you how to live your life. You take the information. You use your God-given senses. And you synthesize that information to say, does this make sense for me? Does this part of it make sense for me? Does all of it make sense for me? Does none of it make sense for me? How am I going to use it and apply it to my life? 
I don't care what you do with the information after it's out. It's like um, Paula, I mean, uh, Don Miguel Ruiz says, I'm responsible for what I say. You're responsible for what you hear. And that's the way I carry it. Um, I am not in charge of your life. So I can bring information for people. And I tell people, if somebody tells you, you need to listen to me. This is the right way. This is the only way. Don't listen to anybody else. Run! (laughs) Run away from that person as fast as you can. Okay? Because I'm going to tell you, question everything, even what I say. Question it, because I could be wrong. Right, and then you say you're the tree. You end up Well, trees need to be pruned. Mm -hmm. Sometimes you need to cut some of the tree off Mm -hmm. in order for it to grow in the way that it needs to grow or have its greatest amount of growth. Right. Mm -hmm. You know, because some of the limbs are dead. I, I also feel that our challenge isn't as much what we're teaching other people. It's how we are applying those things that we're teaching in our own life. Right. Because all of us here, the three of us, I believe are teachers. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I believe that we use our gifts to help other people, mm-hmm. to help to elevate them, to help guide and teach. Right. But our biggest challenge are taking those lessons and applying it in our own life mm-hmm. in a real way. Mm-hmm. And what we really teach is we teach more by what people see us do right. than by what we're saying. Right. Yes. And that we all have been challenged mm-hmm. in that way. Mm-hmm. We can tell somebody else something to do. And we might not really even be doing that ourselves, yeah. but we know we should. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. I, I, I'm very open to telling people my mistakes. Mm-hmm. And my life is an open book. And if the situation calls for it, you know, I'll, I'll, hey, this is what this is what I did. This is what happened. Mm-hmm. This is the outcome. This is how I'm working on it. Accountability for my life. It, nobody did anything to me. Okay, I made choices. All along the way, and I'm responsible for how my life has unfolded. I'm a co-creator of what happens in my life. Sometimes things do, you know, you get hit by a car, you were just sitting there. You didn't necessarily do that, right? So sometimes mm-hmm. things, life happens. But a you lot of... You have to be sitting there, though. So mm-hmm. you contributed to that as well, right? Yeah. I'm, yeah, I okay. guess. Yeah. But I guess there are things where we could say... Were we doing anything for that thing to happen? Was, right? Right, was were there you, a lesson were you an innocent standby? But if we're going to use that innocent same philosophy, like it all needed to happen. Oh, yeah. Because, I, I believe it all needed to happen, but I didn't do anything to make versus making a choice to go and steal something or, to, you know, you know, I don't know if I saying? agree. I don't know if I believe that everything that happens is happening for the greater good and for a higher purpose. I think some things happen um, in the energy of chaos or for a lower purpose. What do you mean by that? Um, I don't want to dismiss uh, the fact that there is a possibility that some things just happen and that there's no higher meaning to them Mm -hmm. and that they don't play into any grand scheme of things and that they're not a part of the systematic flow of the universe. Mm. I think that we should allow for the possibility that some things may just be in the energy of chaos. Mm-hmm. But even allow, it seems to me that even allowing for that means that it's part of what needs to happen. Right, that chaos and there not being a meaning to things is also a part of the grand scheme of things. Because mm-hmm. if we if we are sitting on the corner and we get hit by a car and then we sit there and we try to figure out you know what what was the purpose of this what was the lesson for me of course in the in the in the path of maybe healing or in the path of uh recovery um and maybe that's not a good you know i think my my whole issue and question about this whole thing is really those deeply deeply evil events that happen in the world and trying to understand how to make sense of that if our analysis is that everything happens for a purpose or the greater good. 
Mm-hmm. You know, so maybe being hit by a car may not be because, of course, you can turn that whole situation around mm-hmm. and let it become, you know, a mm-hmm. path for your evolution. Mm-hmm. But, you know, when you have some of the things that we are told happen on, like, say, the dark Internet, you know, like those really, really awful, evil bottom of the pit mm-hmm. things, mm-hmm. I can't seem to integrate those into, you know, the flow of the universe or the systematic rate of good. So then I have to consider that there must be, you know, a space for chaos. Mm-hmm. Well, even in chaos, though, can. So my belief is that even what seems to be the absolute worst thing that can possibly happen. And this is going to depend on each individual person. Like what's worse for me might not be for you, Zawadi, mm-hmm. or you. Mm-hmm. So, but let's say it's the worst thing that you could possibly imagine. There can be some good that will come from that. Mm-hmm. And I believe that wholeheartedly. And not because someone told me that. But I'll use the example uh, and just share that I had a, a child that passed away. And I didn't ever think there would be some good that would come from me losing my son. And you both have sons. You may not be able to understand or imagine that because you still have your sons. But I have now come to the point in my life, or it's been quite some time ago, that even that situation, later on in life, I was able to use it to talk to someone and it helped them. So what seemed like it was the most horrific thing for me, I didn't want to live after that. And I couldn't imagine if you had asked me the day that he passed away, was some good going to come from that? I probably would have cussed you out and called you everything but a child of God. But today I know that I was able to use that and it helped someone else. So I do believe that the most horrific thing that I could possibly imagine happening some good can come from it. And I understand that analysis because that is really um, allowing tragic episodes to aid you in your emotional, spiritual evolution and and now analyzing it um, and allowing yourself, you know, to feel the grief and the pain and, and to evolve with even with the grief and the pain. But then how do you justify, for example, sex trafficking? Like what's, you know, I, I just cannot come up with any analysis for how that it, it, it uh, adds to the greater good or how good things can come of this situation. You understand? So that's when I sort of jump to that analysis of, okay, well, some things must just be chaos. Mm-hmm. But maybe there's an individual who was part of sex trafficking. And so I'm not going to say that the death of my son wasn't the great thing but being able to use that to help someone else mm-hmm. was or that person who was involved in sex trafficking where mm-hmm. there was a part on either side the person who was involved in it on either end there may be someone that they're able to connect with at some point later in life i, or, I can't or remember be, or being an advocate for fighting against still, that right you know, right so then point. but then the existence of it to me is still chaos Right. So, uh, but we're ta- you're talking or about darkness. the situation yeah. itself, right? Versus what can come of it, right? So we can use these situations. We can we can process them in one way or another. But the existence of the situation is the thing that makes me question whether all things in the world happen in harmony with the order of the universe and for the greater good. Hmm. So, and I'm I'm not going to necessarily say it's in harmony and for it's all happening. Right, it's a mystery. Like I none believe of us that really knows right. why. We're right. like, what is this? Like, why is this here? Right. God, why is this here? You know, like, like what? Uh, is there a purpose for this path? Like, can yeah. we eliminate it? Because I think, and that's part of <laughs> continuing to ask the questions. You know, like, who can really answer that? Who can really give you a definitive answer that you say, yeah, that's it? Mm-hmm. Because how are you going to prove it? Mm-hmm. <laughs> right? So it's one of those you just it's what you believe Mm -hmm. and that has to suffice but what i believe may not be what you believe Mm -hmm. or and that's okay we can believe about it differently yes you know what what sometimes shit happens (laughs) 
Yeah. I don't disagree with that. Yeah. Yeah. And then that shit can be used to fertilize right. so these now plants that are going to grow. Exactly. And now we now get some food that is fertilizer. Exactly. So even the shit can be good. Right. right. So, so some a, good. It comes back to it's a circle. It's a full circle. Yeah. It comes back to a circle. Okay. Well, this has been a great conversation. <laughs> I hope that I've answered all Getting of your. To you know. know you. It's been great hearing your story. It has been wonderful. Yeah. And um, you know, if people have questions, don't forget to write into us and let us know, and we'll try to answer those questions. And if you all come up with any, next time we'll also be looking at those because we'll continue to have this conversation. Where do they we'll go to ask questions? To our. Twitter page. Oh, okay. <laughs> I left you have a Twitter page. Yes. And also, um, if they wanted to do therapy with you or to connect with you in one way or another, they should go to alashay.net. Yes. A L A S E dot net. Mm-hmm. And that is his psychological practice. And he does individual therapy, group therapy, um, all types of counseling. He is a clinical psychologist as well as an IFA practitioner and um, a wonderful, wonderful person. Mm-hmm. And so you can check it out. A-L-A-S-E dot net. Thank you. Appreciate that. Mm-hmm. And um, next time we will have you talking about your experience. Yay! That will be very interesting and dramatic. <laughs> <laughs> as of course you are. Okay. Um, any last words from you, Glenda? You good? I'm good. I thank you for sharing, um, bearing, like actually being so open. Mm-hmm. Um, I believe that there are people out there who connect with each of us or all, or all of us. Mm-hmm. And if we don't, if, if we, when we allow ourselves to, um, open up then I believe it helps someone else find their way. Mm-hmm. That we're all vessels and we can use that light to shine through us to help someone else find their way. So thank you okay. for doing yeah, this. No problem. I enjoyed it. enjoyed it. So, as always, we'll leave you with don't be afraid of change or learning something new. Continue to evolve, continue to transform, and continue to thrive. Peace. Yes, it's time to stop your falling. You've been down long enough. Can't you hear the spirits calling? Yes, it's the spirits. Can't you hear it? Calling your name, calling your name. Yeah, talking about spirits.